Eternal Girdles. I'm your host, Zach Clark, and with me on the line is Nate. He's my co-host. Hi, Zach. How you doing? Pretty good, pretty good. So lots uh, come down in the last week, I guess the last day, really. This this article came out today, and we're kind of talking about it to, today on the on the podcast. Um, yeah, what do, you, what do you think? So I guess we should tell you what the uh, article is. Yeah, so uh, there's a gentleman who's been... Uh, coordinating buyouts of reserved list cards and uh, pushing the prices up. Uh, I think the first one was Moat, went from about uh, 300 to 600, depending on your uh, measurement, I guess, of what you use as your arbiter of price. Um, but of course, the, the, other, the other night, I think uh, City of Traders, Gaia's Cradle, uh, Sarah's Sanctum, and Lion's Eye Diamond uh, were the ones that he has targeted. And um, he's become a polarizing figure. There was an article on one of the finance websites where he did an interview. Yeah, MTG Price right. put, out, put out the article. And uh, I don't want to talk too much about this guy personally um, because I think that really what's done is done and we can't really do much about it um, at this point other than to sort of assess what the landscape of legacy might look like uh, with these cards being increasingly out of reach. Um Zach, maybe I know mean, oh, you've been trading into some new decks recently, um, Miracles and, and Reanimator. Um, you know, what do you think when you start to see these things start to spike up like that? I mean, you know, it's it's tough because you you know some of these cards are total hosers for my deck, so you know it's nice to not have to deal with them, I guess. <laughs> um, but but you know, it's sort of it's sort of a pain in the butt that you know, as different decks become good, the cards that hose those decks become increasingly insanely expensive. You know, I mean, I guess, you know, if you're really worried about Eldrazi, which is the reason why Moat's coming up in price, you know, you have options like Propaganda or a Ghostly Prison, but, uh, the, you know, not as good as Moat, obviously. Yeah, nothing beats a Moat. You could play Megas of the Moat. Um, yeah. I guess you could play but, Island Sanctuary Missing Decree and just go to town, right? Right. Um, I think that what, what, what sort of makes this too bad is that, um, you know, people are, are, are looking at some of these decks as, well, here's only one really expensive card I need to get. Um, something like Lion's Eye Diamond. You know, a lot of the cards in Storm are, are real, pretty accessible. You only yeah. need a couple duels. Fetches have been reprinted. Uh, Gaia's Cradle, I mean, you can you could get an Elf deck from your Eternal Masters box other than that, and then you're only looking at a, you know, a, a, you could have doubled the buy-in price. Yeah, that someone you, might have been you need to drop at. a grand now to get to get that de- to the the four lands for that deck. If you're playing four, I don't know that the deck does. Yeah, you can. I mean, or you're going to play three in a crap rotation or something like that at yeah. this point, or two and two crap rotations or nick those. Um, and I, I just the elephant in the room too is just that you look at some of the prices on these cards. City of Traders, um, especially, uh, is about what you want to spend on a volcanic island and if this guy or someone decides to go after volcanic island or tropical island or even bayou yeah um which is a very which is sort of like the fifth blue duel um you know that's going to really push a lot of potential decks out or potential people buying into decks out so i think uh we just you know there's not much you can do <laughs> yeah there's no <laughs> I mean, it's not like they're going to get rid of the reserve list anytime soon that's for sure so yeah. it, it sort of puts people in an awkward position. It puts Legacy in an awkward position because without 
new blood, you know, eventually we have people that just can't get into the into the format. You know, that's sort of a bummer. And it puts immense pressure on the people who have the cards to show up and support the legacy tournament so they can keep playing. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I just moved uh, from New York to Utah, and there's a small but committed group of Utah legacy players. Uh, I went last night for the first time. We had nine players, sanctioned tournament. and uh, But they said that, you know, I said, oh, do you guys really fire with, with eight, nine people? That's pretty good. Uh, for you know, a small community, and they said, "Well, you know, it'll be like this for a couple weeks, and a couple people won't show up, and there'll be a cascading effect. Then we'll sort of rally the troops after about a month or so and get people to come back." Yeah. Um, I mean, it just the stores are not going to sit back and wait for that, you know, in perpetuity. Yeah, of course. No, I mean, if you can't get people to show up to your store to play in an event, you're going to change what kind of event you choose to play. That's for sure. I mean, Star City, that was their justification for stopping uh, the Legacy Opens or, or putting them down to lower frequency. Yeah. Um, I mean, a lot of this, it, it's, I think that if you're a Legacy player, if you're generally a Legacy player, um, you don't really understand the kinds of crowds that get pulled in for standard or even modern tournaments. I mean, you may look at a 300-player uh, tournament, um, whether it's something like Eternal Extravaganza, or some of like Channel Fireball or uh, Card Kingdom, they have pretty big 5Ks. But you know, they're, they're, you could get 700 people for a standard tournament, and those people are all going to buy cards because yep. they might need something new. Uh, it does. It does. Standard does uh, push the market. It's, it's what uh, dealers look to have first in their in their uh, stock of cards. You know. Yeah. If you were a dealer, what? How would you feel about this? Do you? Do you? To my, in my opinion, it makes these cards so much less liquid. I mean, yeah. you're not going to be able to move them. So is it really good for you when someone just undercuts you? <laughs> well, you know, speaking from my experience with friends who, who are trade floor grinders, you know, they'll take just bulk rares for and, and trade them into, you know, uh, duels and stuff like that. They're happy to get rid of their duels for, like, an equivalent amount of bulk rares because they can always get rid of those bulk rares. So if you think about it like that, you know, it's much harder for people to get rid of uh, power duels, you know, reserveless cards that are that are over two, three hundred dollars and it is for them to just get rid of, you know, say, o- Dragon Lord Ojutai. Right. Know? I mean, and, you know, I mean, you're saying bulk rares, but I don't necessarily think that's what we're saying. I think, we're, but you're like your mid-level rares. Yeah. I mean, I had, um, what was that card? Uh, uh, Exquisite Blood. Um, I had a bunch of them because I was there was like a janky combo deck when it was in standard, and uh, then all of a sudden I looked up and it was in it was like some EDH All Star and they were like eight bucks. So yeah, you show up to the trade floor, someone's like, yeah, I'll take I'll take your you know playset of these and put it towards a duel without any problem yeah. because I'll, I'll, I can probably find four EDH players to buy these, you know, at eight bucks more than I can find someone who's going to just shell out cash for my for my duels. Well, you know, I so, mean. I, I find it hard to believe, but it's definitely it's definitely been proven time and time again. The casual players make up a bulk of the singles market, you know, much more than say a le- legacy players do, you know. Yeah, they show up, they go through the dollar bin, and they spend twenty dollars. I mean, that's a that's a pretty nice uh, pretty nice get for the dealers. So, um, yeah, I, I think uh, I, I just hope that this sort of stays under control or that. 
the appetite to sink multiple thousands of dollars into something like this sort of peters out. Um, there's there's always these occasional spikes, you know. They're, they're sort of rhythmic. Yeah. The one thing I did want to bring up was, you know, this guy is going to, you know, he says he's trying to make money off of this, and it seems to me like a really bad way to make money um, by trying to like create these spikes for ma- for magic cards, and especially if you're thinking about being a person who's like, oh, I'm gonna speculate along with this guy, and like I feel a little bit that this guy is putting it out there that he wants people to go along with his buyouts, but he's probably dumping a lot of his cards in these buyouts, too. So, you know, no matter what he says on this, uh, in this interview, I think that part of that is, you know, he buys a a bunch of cards, and as he sees the price going up, he dumps a certain amount of them back out into the market, which brings the price back down, too. Um, and a lot of times you can find the prices of these cards on eBay for much cheaper than, than what you're seeing them on Star City and uh, in Channel Fireball. Yeah, I, I think that uh, to that point, I mean, I don't want to get this into a whole economics lesson here, but um, the notion that something like this can be a safe investment, I mean, there's there's going to be a ceiling at some point. Of course. Um, because because of what we talked about, the difficulty in actually playing with these, with these game pieces. Um, and you could you could collect something that's a little bit cooler than uh, you know even I mean how many moats looks as cool as just like collecting like guitars, yeah, you know totally. I mean the market for this is going to dry up and uh, it's it's like uh, it's sort of like with houses. Um, it wasn't really about you know the first couple people who couldn't flip a house or couldn't get a car a house. It was really about the last person. Once that last person couldn't get a loan or couldn't make the sale. All of a sudden, the previous person was holding the bag. Yep. And now you're underwater. So. Yeah. Anyway. So yeah, that's uh, that's that's what we can say about the buyout. No secret, I'm not from So yeah, let's go to current events. Um, so we've had a, a, about a month, month and a half to talk, to look and play with Eternal Masters, and you know, aside from the limited aspect of, of the set, which is you know whatever, um, constructed wise, uh, you know, you went to a, a tournament last night, Nate. Uh, did you see a lot of Eternal Masters cards out there? I definitely was sort of taken aback um, by how many I saw. There was a player playing Grixis Delver. He had Eternal Masters, Forces, Wastelands, and Dazes in his deck. He also had Steam Vents, but uh, it just goes to show do. you. Yeah, that's <laughs> right. You know, you get that that little bit in there. Um, the store uh, had a lot of Eternal Masters stuff for sale. I think there was a lot opened in this region that's really sort of starving for these cards. Uh, people were trying to trade a lot of them too. Pyroblast, Sensei's Dividing Tops. This is only around nine or ten people, so. Yeah. Uh, I definitely think it's having the desired effect of helping people get in. That's cool. I mean, I'll be at a tournament tomorrow, so I'm, I'm excited to see, you know, what, you know, if more people are playing. I mean, I'm playing a completely different deck than what I was playing before based off of Eternal Masters. I, I was able to pick up those in Tombs and, uh, you know, get get my foil Inkwell Leviathan for my reanimator hey. deck, you know. So. Yeah, uh, Entomb definitely was a card that uh, I was waiting to be reprinted. I don't think it dented the price too much, but uh, at least I at least I know this is what it's going to look like after a reprint. So 
that just pushes me into another deck. That was really the thing holding him back. So yeah, uh, so the frequency of, car- of new cards is gonna, is pretty cool. Being able to play different decks, you know, with you know, reprinting of some staples here and there is pretty great. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I guess I guess next thing we should really talk about is is what the metagame looks like now. You know, uh, it's been you know since bef- even before uh, Eternal Masters came out. You know, the metagame was kind of skewed in in a direction where you had uh, the Eldrazi decks versus sort of the Miracle decks uh, versus versus Shardless uh, decks, kind of like kind of, you know in a sort of cloud rotating around each other. Yep. Yeah, I think that we're, people are going bigger, um, or or feel that they have to go bigger uh, because of the Eldrazi being out there, um, and Shardless is not the. I guess it's not a huge deck, but you get pretty big Tarmogoyfs in that deck. You get your Baleful Strixes or Stridges, which I believe is the actual plural, it turns out. <laughs> um, and you get to play Jace and Liliana, which are big cards, plus the big effect of Ancestral Visions. Um, and Miracles, I mean, it's what, do you, what can you say? It's been like three years. <laughs> Things have been yeah, uh, that's, that's at the top. Juggernaut, I'm, I'm almost sad that I bought into the deck because I'm just, you know, I'm fearing the imminent ban of some integral piece of that deck just eventually it just how long can it can it be such a dominant deck before you know wizards is like okay we'll put our hand in there and do something about that deck you know yeah, well i mean how do you feel playing it do you generally feel that it's more favored i mean you were playing rug before oh, i'm terrible at the deck so i mean i'm not you know i'm, I'm more <laughs> bummed that i haven't learned to play it right yet uh, and thusly can't get the value I want to get out of it. Once I get good, I feel like that's about when they'll be like, "No, we're going to take this away from you," um, which is kind of you know, it's kind of a bummer to to look at look at your deck that way. But uh, you know, I'm hoping to get in some reps with the deck uh, in in time. But right now, I want to play the Reanimator deck because that seems super fun. So, I mean, yeah. I just got the Caracuses and the and all the Jaces for the deck uh, be, thanks to Eternal Masters. Um, for the Miracles so, deck. Yeah, for the Miracles deck. So, uh, you know, uh, if I were to go to a large tournament, I think I would probably take Miracles and uh, attempt to do well with it. Yeah, I mean, a counterbalance hitting the table just ends the game sometimes. I think yeah. that, that there's just no two ways around it. I, I Maybe I've been burned by one too many blind flips <laughs> in my day. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I, um, I think that, you know, so you've got this Miracles versus Charlotte versus Eldrazi, uh, sort of, I guess, triumvirate. And then Grixis Delver, I think, it, it, it shows up in percentages and it performs, I guess, pretty well. Um, the last time I played that deck at a large tournament was the Star City Philadelphia Open, and I was just I was just in the zone, but then I hit the wall, you know? Yeah. Um, sometimes, like, you run in, when, you, when I ran into Miracles, I should say, was really, like, I, I ran into a Miracles opponent where I didn't, wasn't able to therapy his counterbalance, and, uh, that that was basically the end of it. So I feel like Grixis is sort of cleaning up on uh, on, on sort of what's left over. Uh, it's so good against um, you know like the combo decks. If people are trying those out, um, it can it can sort of go over the top of something like Eldrazi or even around it with the Unpyromancer. Um, Shardless is just abysmal <laughs> to have to play against though. Yeah. Um, and Miracles is fifty fifty ish. But I mean, you just have to play abrupt decay, and that's the deal. Yeah, you know, <laughs> it's it's funny because you know you have these three these three decks sort of vying for, you know, top deck right now, 
and you gotta wonder like what's you know what's good against all three of these guys or like is there a new deck that might kind of you know come out or will something just uh, you know come back you know that'll be that'll be uh, good enough to take on these three decks. I think maybe something like a Grixis control deck. Yeah. Um, I've been I've been having some success playing Bant Stoneblade. Uh, that was doing pretty well online, which is also a very which is where those decks also have a very high presence. Um, you know, a big knight can do a, a lot of work against the bigger creatures that you're dealing with in Eldrazi and uh, and Shardless. You get Trine Nemesis, which uh, can block everything. Um, I mean, the one card you don't want to see is Deathrite Shaman, and that is in the Shardless deck and the Grixis deck, so you really yeah. have to tax yourself to get rid of it. I'm not saying that that deck is great against all those matchups, but it's been fairly well. I mean, you never see Stoneforge Mystic anymore, like anywhere, other than Death and Taxes. Yeah. I tell you, I, so I play Eldrazi on, on, on MTGO, and um, the one thing that I, I've noticed is when I do play against Stoneforge, I'm like super happy because I have, you know, uh, uh, Displacers in the deck, and displacing a germ token over and over and over again, <laughs> or a, you know, a creature that's attached to a, you know, an item, it's pretty daunting for your opponent to come back from that, you know, because you're just playing these t- this giant tempo deck to begin with, and then you're like, oh, I'll just spend three mana, which is really like two mana, you know, it's like one and a half mm-hmm. mana, I should say, yeah. and and you're like, yep, your giant threat is invalidated, I'll swing through it, oh, next turn, I'll tap it down again, it's it really, uh, the deck has uh, a lot of, I guess, uh, resiliency against against. Uh, you know this one creature kind of thing. That's yeah. you know even if you're trying to bring like Reanimator up against the Eldrazi deck, they have they have some ways around those bigger creatures. Yeah, I think Eldrazi is is pretty much is held down. I mean the the cards are in it are so powerful. I mean it's really just you know sometimes you just don't have very good draws and you can't do anything about that, right? Yeah, I mean that yeah. is that is what <laughs> happens. Is sometimes you just don't get a great draw, but you know in the leagues I've been going like four one pretty often with the deck. And you know, I'm by no stretch of the imagination a uh, a experienced pilot with the deck. You know, I'm not playing it in real life at all. Um, are you playing the green white version? Uh, yes, the green white version. Yeah, World Breaker. Yeah, a lot of uh, a lot of cards that that mess with your plans in there. Yeah, and I and I barely ever get to use World Breaker. You know, I, I'm almost never. I'm either losing too fast or winning way too fast. Yeah. Interesting. Well, I gotta world break those moats. Sometimes. <laughs> yeah. No, you know, I don't know uh, what the maybe I don't know if moat is super expensive online too, but um, I've never really played against one. Well, it yeah, it's not it's not a, a, a really easy card because a lot of legacy decks you know depend on ground creatures, um, to some extent, so they can't run it themselves. I mean, miracles can run it because they have infinite dig. Uh, yeah. To find it, um, but you can't even you know maybe you have like a even a standstill deck you can't run it because you have Mistress Factory and Creeping Tar Pit or whatever so um, I guess you wouldn't have Creeping Tar Pit with Moat but uh, yeah I, I think that uh, I think maybe we should talk a little about Death and Taxes just because that is another another deck that I think does pretty well yeah um, against against this sort of meta. It's the best Stoneforge deck right now. Definitely the best Stoneforge deck. Which is deck, interesting yeah. when you think about it. Stoneforge is 
not the... I don't want to say it's like the worst creature in the deck, but it's not really on the Death and Taxes plan as much as, you know, your Thalias and your Revokers and your Flicker Wisps of just disrupting the board. You know, it's really just like, well, this is the biggest thing we can do for two mana in this yeah, color. It so. is the biggest thing they can do for two mana, for sure. Yeah. Um, strapping a sword, getting a sword on one of their flyers, just, you know, and you can't do anything because they tap all your lands or waste all your lands or have mom. <laughs> yeah, I mean, especially with uh, the the new Thalia coming out, um, that that deck's just going to get slightly better. I feel like. Yeah, I think the new Thalia will be really good against the Eldrazi deck. It just really ruins what you're trying to do in terms of playing these multiple lands, yeah. you know, every turn, and also playing Reality Smasher Reality and Smasher attacking with it. Smash is hard, yeah. Yeah, um, but uh, I think we'll probably talk about that more when we talk about Eldritch Moon. Yeah. In more detail. Um, so yeah, the the meta the meta looks interesting right now because because those three decks are sort of, you know, they're clamping up down uh, some other decks. So you're not seeing as much combo, but um, these are these are all three at least somewhat interactive decks. Um, so it's it's kind of nice to actually get to play a game before turn two and be like, oh, I just got Char Belcher, or you know, oh, you 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 got your combo and you killed me on turn two. So it's nice to at least get in there and, and play the game against your opponent. You don't see a lot of show-and-tell, I think, uh, with Miracles and, and D&T being so popular. Like, you're just going to get murked by a Caracas yeah. so often. Um, Storm, just... I, I, I've heard Eldrazi is, is like a nightmare for Storm. Especially yeah. post-board if you just jam a bunch of uh, thorns. Yeah, you put out one thorn and, and a... You know, I I've, I have had a little bit of trouble deciding where what I want my chalice on. Yeah. Because um, zero's often good, one is fine, and two is very good too. But sometimes you just don't have time to waste your second turn throwing down a, a chalice on two. Um, and chalice on zero is only good if they haven't already played all their stuff. Right. Um, I mean, facing down, a, they know they're going to be facing down a thought, not seer. They're probably not going to let an LED sit in their hand. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I, I, I'm hoping that we'll uh, we'll see some people who are you know frustrated and trying to break the mold a little bit uh, at, at Worcester and see what they're what they come up with. Uh, there was a bizarre Moxin last week. There was a guy playing like an opposition elves deck. Seems that there's a always someone with an elf deck that they just yeah. do something else with in Europe. You know, they had that, uh, there was like a 78 card elf lands deck. Just like, they like they shuffled them together and just played. Oh, <laughs> that that top aided some European tournament and then this guy with like, uh, the elves engine but with opposition to just tap down their board. That's one way so, to win. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, we'll see if, uh, if people in, uh, in America, are able to innovate a little bit yeah. and break through. I saw a really neat deck last night. It was a Grixis Painter deck um, with Tezzeret and Dak Faden. Uh, the Painter combo, Goblin Welder. Um, you know, it was just a cool deck. It was uh, it was fun to see. Um, but uh, you know, he played against Grixis Delver, and the Grixis player just sort of uh, ground him out with his, you know really efficient cards at a low at a low mana cost as you do yeah 
Um, I don't think I saw anything else all that interesting last night. I mean, the, the, it was interesting uh, to see what people were playing in the sort of limited environment of Utah where there just isn't a ton of cards. I mean, I'm sure I made a significant impact on the amount of legacy cards available sort of by moving here. And, you know, by virtue of me having spent too much money on legacy over the past few years. <laughs> but, uh, you know, a lot of a lot of blue decks um, played against Burn, I played against Dead Guy Ale. So I guess I didn't play any blue decks, but I was playing Ban. Um, and I saw a couple of Grixis players. I guess uh, two Grixis Delver players, the one Grixis Painter player, someone uh, playing Omnitel. And... Uh, Oh, there was a guy playing Rug Delver, Zach. Yeah. And you know what? He totally had Eternal Masters Nimble Mongoose. Oh, that's, I do. that's such a bummer. <laughs> um, yeah, that's the thing I wanted to kind of bring up is how, like, you know, the Rug Delver deck is just not, you know, it's it's in a it's in a kind of a weird state right now because, you know, Miracles has been such a hard matchup for that deck and the Eldrazi deck is not really where you want to be with their, your Stifles. And, uh, you know, you're not doing much against the Eldrazi deck with, you know, your three spell pierces in your deck. And with the lack of combo decks out there, you're kind of in a weird situation where you don't have anyone to prey on right now. And that's really what Rug Delver was really great at, was just preying on the meta. Yeah, I think that, uh, well, it gets to, uh, you know, this, the idea of, of how good Stifle is, um... Stifle has applications in a lot of matchups, but they're not. It's not necessarily something you can always pull off. Yeah, it's like like you, not always worth a card. I mean, you stifle a terminus, you know, maybe I don't know, but it's a one mana. It's a one mana. Uh, it's a one mana spell, so you can't really do that against countertop. Stifle a storm trigger, but you're already just destroying storm, so probably not necessary. Um, I mean, I think that. You know the interesting what 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 is hurting Rug a little bit is just Nimble Mongoose. You know it's it's, it's sort of an identity crisis. Um, the player at the European Grand Prix had Hooting Mandrills yeah. instead of it. It's a four four. Two Mandrills, uh, True Name, and a uh, Vendillion Click. Yeah, um, I mean, but on the other hand, like, what's even the point of life if you're not playing? Nimble Mongoose in your rug deck. I don't know. I mean, <laughs> it's I, the I, reason to play that deck is my, to get to play the Mongoose. Current build has has Hooting Mandrills in it, but uh, don't don't tell Lee Zoo that he'll he'll get on me. Um, yeah, you got all those nice foil. I know, I know. <laughs> I got I got four pretty foil Nimble Mongoose that I just can't play. Um, uh, you know, they're not they don't do enough right now. Yeah, I mean, I'd like to see a meta shift such that rug comes back it's always a fun match you know it's fast paced and um you can you, there's a lot of tension it feels the game like isn't... it feels like fencing and magic you know like you're you're both trying to figure out what you what to do what the other person has and there's a real you know there's a real read going on as opposed to just like smashing five five trample haste creatures onto the board you know yeah or just like well, I've got this this mentor and two tops, so I guess the game is over. Yeah. <laughs> um, how was the matchup against Shardless when you played Rug? Um, it, it went back and forth. Uh, if if you were able to stall them out for a few turns, or if they played stupidly into your stifle, um, you know they had a lot of trouble get, uh, getting 
good at getting uh, positioned against you. Um, if you could get an early Delver and protect it for a couple of turns, you were generally pretty good because you could just finish them off with bolts. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, if the game lasted long enough that they got out some lands and you didn't really stop them uh, from you know from like doing anything their first couple of turns, um, it could be kind of tough. Um, the deck the deck has a lot of resiliency and it, it comes back into the game pretty quickly and if they can kill your goifs and your delvers with their abrupt decays there's really not a lot that your mongoose can do against their their uh, goifs yeah they also have death rate shaman which hurts mongoose yeah yeah it makes it very hard so you have to you, I won't say you have to be lucky against that deck but um, having inexperienced pilots against experienced pilots helps yeah, um, but there are times you know you do your thing with with rug against that deck sometimes, and and you wasteland stifle a guy out of the game, and you know it's just, that's how it goes. So it's I won't say it's it's a fifty fifty. I think it's slightly in the favor of shardless, but um, it's not it's not as bad as some other matchups. Yeah, I mean they're just so susceptible to stifle wasteland. <laughs> you know, if you can keep it in the early game. Yeah, it's funny, you mentioned if you were going uh, somewhere, you'd take miracles, big term, you'd take miracles. I don't know what I'd bring. I think, I feel like uh, Grixis is the most established deck that I own, but I don't necessarily feel that you're always going to run super hot, um, you know, as I have with it at times. And the same deal with Bant, you know, sometimes you run super hot, and other times it's just miserable. You know, you play, like, against a bunch of Deathrite Shaman decks, which just kills your knight, and they ramp in the Liliana the Veil. Yeah. Oh. Um, or uh, you know, you just you just don't you just don't get it to work. So, I would definitely uh, be making a last minute decision. I mean, who knows? <laughs> I could I could just be like, I don't mind wasting fifty bucks, and I'll play Punishing Shardless Rug. Yeah. Uh, I yeah. mean, that's the the beauty of a deck like that, like a Rug Punishing Fire deck that uses Bloodbred Elves and Shardless Agents and you know, tries to d- do that thing, uh, you know, in like Wasteland and Loam and stuff like that, uh, and using Gamble to get your engine together, um, is that people have never played against it before, and they really don't know exactly what you're up to. Yeah. And there's definitely something to be said for that. Um, but at the same time, like, what's better, having your opponent know what you're doing and it just being better than what he's doing, or having your opponent have no idea what you're doing and catching a, cu- a couple of breaks. It's kind of funny how uh, how much tunnel vision there's been on Legacy in the in the Miracles era. era I feel like, I, you know, every time I, I show up and play a Noble Hierarch and then play like a True Name Nemesis and Daze something, I'd be like, wow, this is a sweet brew. Like this is basically a deck that was uh, in like fourth place at the Eternal Championship, <laughs> like not yeah. that long ago. Just fell out of favor so fast. It was. The Bant Stoneblade deck, uh, yeah. Reed Duke and Sam Black were playing it, um, and I just, you know, to me, it's the best Green Sun Zenith deck that I own. That's just the card I love playing. And well, one yeah. of the main reasons that it fell out of favor was because, you know, combining Treasure Cruise with Green Spells wasn't that big a deal. Combining Treasure Cruise with Red Spells was pretty good. Yeah. Yeah, Treasure Treasure Cruise in your Knight deck is not really good. Yeah. <laughs> um. I, I, miracles is, is really the the foil that you that you have to deal with with this deck. I mean, 
against Eldrazi, it really just comes down to how fast you can stick something if you can stabilize the board. I've had to make some changes to the deck to beat Eldrazi. I play a Bant Charm, um, which bottoms a creature or destroys an artifact um, for Bant, you know, blue, white, green. It's an instant, so it's like a nice, you know, you can cast it off a Noble Hierarch uh, early if you need to, to just kill a Chalice or something. Or you can just bottom something that is about to hit you pretty hard. Um, and then for Miracles, I've been playing uh, a Trigon Predator main in addition to a Kasali Pride Mage and uh, a Spell Snare. That's all main deck, plus uh, Kroos and Grip in the sideboard. But uh, it's 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 so it's you know I've made some changes to what was sort of like a really sort of streamlined deck to to beat those decks, and then with Shardless it, it really just comes down to not letting them have a death right. If they have a death right, the game is over. Yeah. <laughs> um, they just ramp into so much better stuff. I mean Liliana is just great. Yeah. It's not. I mean it's not perfect. It just it's, it's still, you know, sacking a mana dork to it. Um, you know, is it, nice, so you can save your true name or whatever, but there's so much inevitability with that deck. Um, you know, and their 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 mana dork is just so much better than Noble Hierarch. And I don't like putting Deathrite Shaman in ban. I feel like I should be playing a different deck when I do. Yeah. <laughs> like I'm playing a bug deck or, or you like get straight that, up Deathblade. You want him to also be a Lava Mancer, and it's 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 kind of a bummer when he's not... Yeah, like you can't sacrifice underground sea tonight, but you that you want it so badly. Yeah. <laughs> you can't sacrifice it tonight, and you can't bounce uh, Bayou to days. So where are you? Yep. <laughs> but people have had success with those builds. Uh, it was pretty popular online for a while. I think that people just sort of settled on. I'm going to just jam true names and uh, knights because they're bigger than the Eldrazi. <laughs> so yeah, at the end of the day, I mean, it's very hard to beat Trune and Nemesis no matter what you're doing. <laughs> yeah. Especially if you can throw something on top of it, you know? Give him, exactly. Give him a sword or give him a batter skull and he's pretty or, or Exalted. An exalted yeah. True Name is... An exalted True Name is also pretty good. <laughs> um, but, yeah. So, I, uh, um, oh, sorry. Go on. No, I was going to say, uh, if you had anything to close out with. No, I think that's, that's good for, uh, you know, the current events. I, I did want to bring up uh, a couple of cards from the new set, though. Okay, great. Um, you know, uh, what do you? Uh, I guess I'll just ask you your opinion on a couple of them. So, what do you think of uh, of Liliana: The Last Hope for for Legacy play? You think it'll see anything? Well, I think that it's it's going to be hard to displace Liliana: The Veil because it is so powerful. But I don't think this card is terrible. First of all, you're gonna you, you, no, they're never going to stick an X one once it's in play and that doesn't that's not nothing that's young pyromancer that's your creatures and in fact you know your yep delver your uh, death and taxes creatures and elves um and then regrowing your guys in sort of an attritiony matchup is pretty good <laughs> what, can, what else can you say yeah um i don't i i i look at the ultimate and having just moved across the country i can't even begin to process the math or how it works but I mean, it it does it does some pretty interesting stuff. You you keep X ones off the table and you bounce stuff back. That ultimate can definitely end games in a in a grindier match too. 
Yeah, it's like sort of an assembled legion, right? Yeah. Just start, it's, it's going to be over. It's an emblem, they can't get rid of it, so they're, you're making zombies every turn. Um, I guess the other card, uh, Chaos Reveler, uh, is a card. Yeah, people are pretty hyped on it. I sort of oscillate whether or not I think it's win more. We should see what it does. So Chaos Reveler is 6 and 2 red uh, for a 3-4 with prowess. Does it fly? I don't think it flies. Uh, no, no fly. Um, you, there's a cast reduction of one uh, colorless mana or one generic mana for every instant or sorcery card in your graveyard. And when you when it comes into play, you discard your hand and draw three. So it's a lot. It's a lot of text. Yeah. Um, I think the card is. It's one of those cards that if you stick it, I mean, what can you say? I mean, you just you just drop this pretty big creature. And you probably drew three cards. So. Yeah, I, I, the crazy thing about this card is that, you know, we were we were talking earlier today about whether or not this would be, you know, a, a good card in say, uh, blue red Delver or something like that. But man, it just seems like a card that could be your top end for a burn deck just fine. Yeah, the question is, what do you cut? I played against Burn last night and actually said to him afterwards, like, I think it's interesting that Monastery Swift Spear is in this deck, because usually when they play Monastery Swift Spear, I sort of exhale and say, phew, it's only a Swift Spear. Especially on turn one. Yeah. Like, if they're only doing one for you on turn one, that's pretty great. Um, not that they should cut that or anything, but, I mean, Lava Mancer doesn't necessarily play very well with it. I guess it comes down to those two things. Yeah, I mean, you don't always need a Lava Mancer in, in that deck either. Um, you've got plenty of reach. Um, I mean, you may, you may or may not want this card as, as a threat and more of a two mana draw three you know yeah especially i mean it's a the thing about it is that it's a great top deck yeah you know i mean i mean assuming that you've built your deck so that you acknowledge this card is in it yeah like you're, your if you draw empty, this whoops, your hands empty. i just drew three cards and here's a three four maybe maybe i'll get to hit you with a three four but i also have nine points of damage in my hand yep and if you've been flooding out and while you're chop decking, you don't even need all the stuff in your graveyard to cast it. You can just yeah. play it for four or whatever. Um, I have a black-red suicide aggro deck that I was playing Tombstalker in that this might be better than Tombstalker. I mean, him to Torok, still a sorcery. Yeah. Still reduces it by one. Um, so uh, so there, there's possibilities there. I think that's an interesting card. Um, I have, the, the two cards that I... Uh, that I uh, really been hyped on are uh, this the Grim Flayer, uh, which yeah. is a black and a green for a two-two uh, with Delirium. If you achieve Delirium, which is for more card types in your graveyard, it gets plus two plus two. And every time it deals combat damage to a player, you get to look at the top three cards of your library, uh, put any number of them in your graveyard, and then put the rest back in any order. So it's a free top. Yeah, when it hits, it's a worst. free top, and it gets your, it gets sort of feeds itself for delirium as well, which is not not unimportant. Yeah, if you have any graveyard synergy with your deck, you know, whether it's something like lingering souls or life from the loam or punishing fire, you know, something like that. I mean, hitting you could you could get you can draw a card off that essentially, which would be really great. The only tough part of it is it is a two two that turns into a four four. Um, and it's not going to get through many ground armies. No. Uh, the trample helps it get through ground armies. Like you know, it, you can get through a mom. Uh, like mom can block it, but one goes through, and you still get your trigger. 
But then it gets to the question of what else you do with it. You could throw some equipment on it. Uh, you could exalt it, or you could, you know, jump it with something like Elspeth. Get your trigger. Um, it seems like a card that's okay to, you know, uh, cascade into and, and bug as well. Yeah, I think it's green. It's green, which does make it a zenith target, which means you don't have to play four, uh, which is always something to look out for. You have this thing in your deck. Um, there's nothing on the board, and it can sort of sort of be like a green sun's zenithable dark confidant in a way. I uh, when I was playing uh, rock, uh, I was playing coarser crew fix in the deck with uh, two tops, two sylvan libraries. And basically, like, my entire goal was to just stick a lot, piece of library manipulation, sort of disrupt and remove stuff, and then just green sun zenith for Courser and just start playing cards on the top of my deck and drawing awesome cards every turn uh, with the library manipulation. Um, and you can, you can really do a lot of stuff with your library in green in Legacy just because of the presence of Sylvan Library. Yeah. I guess the other card to talk about would be Collective Bounty. Or Collective Bru- Brutality, sorry. Yes. Um, and you want to tell us what that does? So, Collective Brutality is uh, one in a black. It has Escalate, discard a card. Um, and then you can choose one or more. Uh, one is Target Opponent Reveals Its Hand. You can choose an instant or sorcery from it, and he discards it. Um, target Creature gets negative two, negative two, or lose two life to your opponent and gain two life for you. So, it, it seems like the slots really, really, really well into uh, a graveyard reanimator deck yeah it's a discard outlet um and you always have a live discard outlet because you can always just uh drain them right so right. if they don't have a creature you can duress or partial duress and drain them um i think the card is good i think that i i really like modal cards um anyway and it just it's one slot for hand disruption and removal which I mean, I know it's two mana, which is probably slightly more than you want to spend I mean, for that. Yeah, it's a, in a 14-land deck, <laughs> you know, it's yeah. a little rough occasionally, but this seems like the kind of card that, like, is... It, it, it'll at least make its way into the sideboard, and it could easily be a one-of in the main. Yeah, I, for Storm decks, I mean, this is a Burning this is burning Wishable, mm-hmm. um, and, you know, it helps you just, like, sort of nuke something in your way like Gaddic Teague uh, or Thalia and uh, also peak for uh, you know if, if they also have some sort of instant speed manipulation or instant speed interaction and uh, it's if you play it and then tendrils but if, you, if you use the drain I'm trying to I'm trying to say like it's sort of like a double storm spell yeah in a way because you get the storm for it for your tendrils and you tendrils them with it so uh you sort of, it sort of counts for a couple storm in a way. I'm sure there are storm people who are shaking their iPads or iPods now, saying, "What are you talking about? I'll never play this junk." Um, but yeah, I have the uh, Agro Loam deck. Uh, you know, this is a deck. This is a card that uh, gets around their chalice, um, and it's just extra removal, extra thoughtseize effects. So, yeah. lots of, lots of possibilities for it. Um, the new Thalia, I do want to talk about. It. I think okay. I touched on this earlier, and since we're talking about, of course, I'll just move now. Um, so that's two and a white for a three-two with first strike, legendary creature, uh, human soldier, and creatures and, uh, and lands your opponent controls 
creatures in non-basic lands or opponent controls come into play tapped. So I think I think this is really good for Maverick. Um, it's it's just like Maverick has a lot of ramp, so the three you could probably drop this on turn two fairly easily, and then you're going to start wastelanding their fetches. Um, you're not going to get just obliterated by a reality smasher. Um, I just think that's that's super good. Yeah. Um, like I said, this is a really this is a card. I'm sure. I wonder if it's. Man, I didn't even think about that wasteland uh, being good against fetches here. I wasn't really paying attention to the non-basic lands part uh, being anything more than just like your it takes an extra turn to tap a land, but that's like that's two extra turns for uh, fetch lands anyhow. Right, and the uh, fetch it, you know, you can't fetch a duel. Fetch off comes into play taps, and <laughs> the duel comes into play taps. So, like, if this was against rug, you just you just don't get to play any more lands, basically. Uh, unfortunately, it's also a really bad matchup for Nimble Mongoose for yeah. rug. It's a three-two with first strike. Um, this it does help you against miracles too. I mean, not letting them develop their basic lands is super important if you can prevent them from fetching and topping and moving stuff around. Um, the creatures part doesn't come so much, but the non-basic land is is a really good, a really good taxing effect. Yeah, I don't know if there's a similar card in the legacy card pool. Um, I mean, like root maze, but root maze, yeah. It's artifacts and lands, but it doesn't also attack for three. That did this too, wasn't there? A what? Like a luxodon, luxodon gatekeeper. Yeah, but that's probably like four mana. Yeah, it's too much. It's four mana, and it's only a, th a two three. So yeah. it's not really doing the same sort of thing. Yeah, basically just uh, uh, Kismet's your opponent for four mana. So it's a, it's a Kismet with a body. Yeah, um, relevant creature type, human, uh, for Cavern and stuff like that. Yeah. Pretty good against Elves, too, which has been a tough matchup for decks like Maverick, mid-rangey decks. Um, they can't just natural order their Crater Hoof and then attack with you with a, you know... I don't know. It's always like twenty-seven, twenty-seven. Never paying attention by the time I create. Yeah, I'm just like I'm table. dead. <laughs> I'm just like I'm so dead. I can't play Graft Digger's Cage in my deck. I can't play. I can play Containment Freeze or something, but yeah, whatever. Um, but uh, you know, it's, it's rich get richer in a way. Um, well, I shouldn't say the rich get richer because Maverick isn't really tearing it up. Yeah. But um, I guess maybe the poor get poorer because of the the trouble that Elves is having right now. Um, Probably just facing all the miracles decks uh, and Eldrazi and even and even uh, Shardless. I mean, <laughs> and Elves players they they have trouble with Golgari Charm. Yeah, Golgari so Charm isn't is great for them. Brutal card. Yeah, so seeing that against uh, so saying that Elves gonna have trouble with this probably doesn't help. It's good against Sneak Attack. Uh, you know, Sneak Attack stops working unless you have a way to untap the creature yeah, after you plop attacks. it on the battlefield. That's a bummer. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, anyway, yeah, I think the new Thalia will be good. And it came out so early in the spoiler uh, season here that I think people sort of saw it and then sort of forgot about it. But um, I, I ordered all these cards we talked about. So I, I think this set has actually got a lot of play to it for Legacy. I think a little bit more than Shadows. Yeah, Thalia is like a $9 card. That's not even bad. It's not terrible. You know, you can pick up a set of those pretty cheap still. Assuming yeah. that you're going to see a lot of play. I think regular Thalia is super cheap, though. I think regular Thalia is, like, maybe, like, you know, what, under under $5? Yeah, 
Uh, this was just a Grand Prix promo, so that probably if I don't no, see. No, it's, it's, it's a like ten dollar, thirteen dollar card. Oh yeah, well, it's, 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 TCG Low is five fifty seven, but you probably don't want to buy a beat up card that only came out a couple years ago. Yeah. You might as well just pay them eight bucks for something that's not all that wasn't like in some kid's pocket. Yeah. <laughs> his way home from his Innistrad draft. Um, so yeah, I think uh, despite my dislike of the Eldrazi plot, this is a pretty cool set. Yeah. Um, just sort of tired of the Eldrazi at this point. Yeah, I think I mean hopefully they don't just teleport to Kaladesh in the next set too. But um, yeah, I yeah. think so. I mean that's that's pretty much it for this week. I think uh, you know we talked about the uh, the buyout guy. We talked about uh, you know the meta and uh, Eternal Masters. And uh, oh, one thing I did want to bring up, uh, I don't I don't know if you use Puka Trade all that often or at all, uh, Nate. Um, but I use it pretty often. Um, I just got a uh, like a preview for the for the new set, uh, the new set, the new um, website, and yeah. it looks like they're also going to be doing uh, uh, MTGO too. So that's pretty cool. That is cool. I, I have Puka points now. I did one Puka trade. I did it in person. <laughs> so uh, I got a. I did start requesting stuff or put stuff on my want list, but I haven't. I haven't heard it from anyone yet. So uh, I think it's a. I think Puka trades. You know, there's criticism of it, but you know, what can you do? It's it's an organized way to trade online. Yeah, it's it's and, one uh, of it's very few organized ways to trade online too. Yeah. Great. Yeah. So uh, yeah, that's. I think that's it for the for the cast. Uh, thanks for thanks for coming on. Yeah, thanks, <laughs> thanks, Zach, and thanks everybody. Yeah. Have a good one. Come on, man. Come on, man.